go to the balcony. Okay. Just remember that phrase, go to the balcony. This is how you gain perspective. So let's say you're sitting in a meeting someday, tomorrow, you're sitting in a meeting. You're not sure quite what's going on. All right. I want you, of course, stay in your seat, but I want you to picture yourself above the meeting in a balcony. And rather than worried about what it is you're trying to get out of the meeting, listen, look at the body language of everybody, look at what they're saying, listen to what they're saying, process what they're saying, and try to see where they're actually getting to. The balcony is a, is a mental timeout for you to step away from whatever's going on at the, at the meeting or the training to understand the perspective that everyone else is bringing to the table. Once you understand their points of view, their perspective, see their body language, read it, you don't miss that. It's a, it's a way for you to demonstrate the emotional intelligence um, that all of us have if we exercise it and then come back to the meeting, leave the balcony, sit back down and then give your opinion. And hopefully it's a more informed opinion. Welcome, everybody, to The Kitchen Table. In this podcast, we sit down with our guests to have real and honest conversations around all things leadership. We call it The Kitchen Table because we know some of the best conversations at the firehouse take place at the kitchen table. And the goal with the podcast is to focus that kitchen table energy into talking leadership. I'm your host, Berlin Mazza. And of course, we've got Deputy Fire Chief Bill Mack with us today. Good afternoon, Bill. How are you? Hey, good afternoon, Berlin. Good to see you again and hear you. Yeah. So, obviously, uh, football's over. We're going out of the Final Four, which is exciting, but let's not talk about that because none of our teams are there. So, why don't we talk about the Masters next week? I know you're in the Masters. Masters. Yeah. 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 Let's so, go. They, they, uh, one of my favorite times in golf. Who yeah. do you have? Well, uh, like, you know what? I, unfortunately, with how much I love golf, I haven't even been watching golf um, nor playing golf. So, I have – myself watching the Sunday, you know, back nine and uh, probably not much else if I'm honest, unfortunately, but that's probably it. How about you? Yeah, no, I'm going to try to watch as much as I can, obviously. Um, yeah. I, I always enjoy it. Um, I, I don't know this year. I don't, I don't, it's a tough, it's a tough field. There's yeah. been some really good play um, yeah. recently. I mean, if I were to put money, which I'm not a betting person, right. We like to talk about that. <laughs> Neither are you. Uh, I'm going to say Scotty Scheffler, but only because he's got the hot hand and the defending champ. So that's all I got. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but anyway, today on the kitchen table, we do have retired fire chief Jeff Clark, who recently retired from Eastside Fire and Rescue, where he was appointed fire chief in 2016. Prior to joining Eastside Fire, Chief Clark was the fire chief of the city of Chandler, Arizona Fire Health and Medical Department, where he started his fire service career in April of 1991. During his tenure, he's held positions as Assistant Chief of Operations, Emergency Services Assistant Chief, Response Battalion Chief, Emergency Medical Services Division Chief, Office of Disaster Preparedness Division Chief, Accreditation Manager, Hazmat Technician, Paramedic, Captain, Engineer, and Firefighter. Chief Clark was designated as a Chief Fire Officer by the Center for Public Safety Excellence in 2007. He holds a Master's Degree in Administration from Northern Arizona University, a bachelor's degree in public safety administration, and an associate's degree in fire science. Chief Clark has completed Arizona State University's Certified Public Manager Program, is a graduate of Arizona State University's Fire Service Institute, completed Harvard University's Senior Executives in State and Local Government, Harvard's Shaping Healthcare De Delivery Policy Programs, and completed the Naval Postgraduate School's Homeland Security Executive Development Program. Under Chief Clark's leadership, Eastside Fire and Rescue has achieved a number of recent successes that include implementation of a mobile integrated health program, incorporated Eastside as a governmental nonprofit organization, implemented a wildfire mitigation program, successful merger with Woodenville Fire and Rescue via a contract, all while navigating the complexities and challenges surrounding the COVID-19 pandemic. Chief Clark is the immediate past president of the King County Fire Chiefs Association, a member of the Washington Fire Chiefs Association and the International Association of Fire Chiefs. Good afternoon, Chief. Thank you so much for joining us today on the kitchen table. How are you? Good, Berlin and Bill. Appreciate the invite. Um, and thanks for the nice introduction. Of course. Before we get going, you are retired now. How's retired life? It is wonderful. Uh, I hope everyone listening to this uh, can aim for retirement in their early 50s. That's what uh, 
that's what our service is set up for us. So hopefully we can all get there and enjoy some quality retirement. Uh, no, that's awesome. It's uh, it's interesting you say that because I remember when I got hired and I remember a lot of people say this in their career, they say, you know, they get hired 22, 23, 24. They say, I'm going to do 30 years and I'm done. Mm-hmm. But then yet they do 30 and they're 54, 55 and they're, I want to do a few more. I want to do a few more. Why is that? That's a, that's a great question. What I find with most of them is they've got to a comfort zone and they've stopped challenging themselves. Um, and you know, it's a good paycheck. Um, but I I'm sure I've also heard from many of them after they retire that they wish they would have retired years earlier. Right. And, uh, unfortunately, you know, we have a fire chief in the zone who didn't get to join much, enjoy much retirement. I'm going, uh, chief Greg Smith, I'm going to his ceremony on Monday is celebration of life. And, uh, you know, it's just, it breaks my heart every time I hear someone who's announcing retirement and then they pass soon after. And, uh, I really hope people can challenge themselves to leave your comfort zone and retire. You can always come back to something, yeah. uh, but go and try it. Uh, that's our job is tough. It's tough on our bodies. Uh, and it's, it's stressful by the time we get to our mid or early and mid fifties, look for a way out. You know, yeah. if you can get there, that's what we financially try to set up as leaders in the fire service, both on the union and management side. So let, let's try to exercise that. And it's great advice. <laughs> and you're right. I think we all should. Uh, I, I didn't even think about that. I've never heard somebody say that before, you know, you retire and you can, you can always come back and mm-hmm. probably 97% wouldn't come back and they'd probably thank themselves for that. So that's, that's interesting. I'm going to, I wonder why I remember that. Dang it. I don't even think I'm going to finish this podcast anymore. I might be gone. Oh, damn. Yeah, I'm well, right now. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. You can <laughs> yeah. retire, but you can still do the podcast, Bill. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, he, well, yeah, he's got commitment issues. He's sticking around. <laughs> he's addicted to commitment. There, yeah, there you go. There he is. All right. So, obviously, um, thank you again, Chief, for spending the time with us today. Before we get started today, Chief, would you mind sharing a little bit about Chief Clark? Career, oh. family, hobbies, anything you'd like to share before we get going today? Sure. Um, you know, uh, I've been, uh, I just finished 32 years in the fire service. So I've been retired about four months. So now I'm, I'm trying to reinvent myself. Now my current hobby is doing triathlons, um, and staying fit and keeping my mind and, and body fit. Uh, I have been married, um, to my wonderful wife, Lori for uh, almost 32 years. Now we met when I was 19, uh, met four years before I entered the fire service. Uh, we made a commitment to each other that once I got a fire service job and she graduated nursing school and got a job that we would get married. So we got a, we got married a month after I got hired in the fire service. We've had two kids who are both adults now and in, in school, one's in law school and one's in PT school. We're looking forward to that transition in life. And uh, now we live up here in the Pacific Northwest. We have no, no desire to change that. We're going to stay in the area and uh, get engaged in the community. My personal goal is to get engaged in the community. And um, I'm not sure I'm going to make a paycheck anymore in my life. Um, I'm not looking for that. I've, we've got a nice, healthy retirement to, to take care of us there, but now it's about getting involved in the community. Um, I just got named to a uh, local food and clothing bank, Issaquah Food and Clothing Bank board um, to give back some time and give back to the community that has treated me so well over the last 32 years. Wow, that's amazing. So I'm just going to jump right into this. According to Chief Jeff Clark, what is leadership? Well, good question. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a lot about it this today, obviously, but I think leadership is simple. Uh, and we all have the potential within us and it's about exercising that potential. Um, and hopefully today there'll be a few nuggets that get thrown out about how to exercise that potential. But one of my favorite things is, um, that I tell people is be present. Um, if you are a professional, uh, as all of us are that are listening to this and we call ourselves professional firefighters. Um, and I don't like to tout it, but you can listen to all the ranks and positions that I held throughout my career. Um, I hold, held all those because I was present at every level. Uh, and that means I didn't go to meetings or training and sit passively. You have to be present and engaged. And that means when you're in the station, it doesn't mean you don't, you, you can't have fun. Absolutely not. You can still have fun and you can still mess around and do all those great things that we get to do in the fire service as a team, but being present and engaged um, throughout the process. And that means that when somebody with 30 years seniority asks you as a two-year firefighter a question, you answer it and you answer it with your heart and with what you truly mean. And if you think that a particular thing that's coming out is not that positive, let them know and let them know in a constructive way, but learn how to engage early and often and be present and understand the whole picture 
that whoever's presenting something to to you is presenting. And if you can't do that, if you don't understand the full picture, ask questions, enter in dialogue. I know so many fire service leaders who put so much time into trying to listen to their people and give their people opportunities for feedback, yet we'll go and do a station visit or we'll leave our phone lines open or we always have the open door and nobody comes in and talks, right? You have, you have to extract it. So being present and, and that's a, a responsibility of if you're to exercise your leadership potential, you need to be present and engaged. And I can't make you do that. Um, and I, you know, no one's going to be able to make you do it. It's up to you to exercise that. No one's coming to you to tap you on the shoulder and just magically promote you up through all the ranks and put you into a better leadership potential. That might happen to 1% of people, but everybody else, you, you've got to exercise that, those, um, those traits in order to make it happen. So you mentioned be present and be engaged. I love that. Uh, I did it. I've, I've done this mindfulness training thing with, I'm sure, you know, Michael Gervais, and I know you're, you're big into sports, you know, sports psychologist for the Seattle Seahawks. And he, he talks about, you know, being fully present and it's huge because mm-hmm. if you're not fully present, you're actually not giving your all. Um, if you're half engaged here, half engaged there, you're multitasking this and that you're actually not fully engaged in where you want to be. And uh, basically going on what you say, if, what, what is leadership? It's being present, it's being engaged. And if you're not fully there, you can't really be the true leader that you want to be. So um, I think that's awesome. Secondly, what does leadership to Chief Clark, what does it look like? I, I think what, what the point I would like to get across to folks, I think some people don't see themselves in the realm of leadership and they think leadership is a thing. To me, Leadership is not a separate thing. Uh, to me, leadership is an action. And uh, it is about how an individual um, chooses to exercise that. And some choose not to exercise it at all. Some don't see themselves in that role. And I think part of my role um, over the last 15 years as a fire chief was to help people understand what their leadership potential was and how to exercise those leadership activities uh, so that people become more comfortable with being that leader. Um, But a leader is confident. A leader is not afraid to share their opinion um, in a tactful, constructive way. A leader is willing to listen, be humble and change their opinion on the fly in front of the person who is most impacted by that and admitting that they're wrong. Uh, a leader needs to be able to, and all this leads to, you know, what I want to talk about today uh, in a little while about getting to yes. But the important part of, of that I'd like people to understand about leadership is that each and every one of us has a leadership potential in us. We need to view ourselves as leaders. Not everyone's going to be a fire chief. Not everyone's going to be the president of the United States, but those aren't the only kind of leaders. We need leaders that are firefighters. Uh, senior firefighters who are leading other firefighters, leading the community when we step off of that engine company. Uh, we need a company officers who can lead a company. We need engineers who can lead the um, on a fire ground, lead the logistics of making sure we have uninter- interrupted water supply and um, water going to the fire. Those are leadership activities. And if we do not teach our people to exercise their leadership potential so that they can Raise their voice when they need to. Simple thing like Mayday training. Uh, how much of Mayday training is just about re- getting people to recognize when they are in a situation and call on that Mayday early? That's nothing more than teaching someone how to exercise to be a leader. Um, you have to use your voice if you're going to be a leader. And that means in all elements. And the last example that I'll give that I'd like, like people to, um, to visualize. Um, visualize the last time you went into a training class and you and Bill spent lots of time down there at the academy. So you've seen this a million times. You get 30 firefighters that come into the room and they all assume their position and you present whatever you're presenting and you get, you get pauses and you, you, you pause for questions, you pause for comments. How many times do you pause and there's 30 firefighters in there and not a single question or comment comes back to you when you ask for one? That's 30 people that are not present, that are not engaged, that are not exercising, and they're losing an opportunity to exercise that potential. Now, I'm not saying everyone should ask a question all the time, but you need to be engaged and you need to exercise that potential when we give it to you. And we give you so many opportunities and training for that. Um, And that's a great, safe place to exercise that potential. Yeah. Oh, I love that because uh, we see it all the time. And in fact, it kind of, the fact that you say that, it, it, it comes, it brings back so much because uh, a training event that just happened yesterday, 
I mean, we do it with the recruits, but we have it, you know, even at the company level, it's we, unfortunately we do have that. Hey, does anyone have questions? Mm -hmm. Really? None of you have any questions on this topic that I presented. Probably not very good. There's got to be some kind of question right. out there for clarification <laughs> or something, but yet no one has a question. So how much of it is boredom or just not engaged, like you said, chief, and or not willing to just, you know, put themselves outside that comfort zone, which we're going to talk about a lot. So I was just going to say, you know, when another good example is, you know, as W chief, I go out to visit a fire station because we have a bunch of things going on. We, you know, we're currently building five stations, hiring new people, have all these things. And so you go and you meet with the crew and you say, hey, I'm just going to give you an update on where we're at. And, you know, you spend 15 minutes talking to everybody and then you're like, any questions? And no one says anything. Mm -hmm. And then you leave and then you get a phone call from your ops chief or your BC and said, man, the guy said, you said this and they had all these questions about it and I don't get it. And I'm like, why didn't they just ask me that when I was there? Right. So mm -hmm. it, it's, it's very similar, but I do like something that you said that I want to touch on real quickly. You know, we've said this in the past, in, in the past, that it's a misconception that people are born there. There's naturally born leaders, right? That mm -hmm. that's really not true that you may have some things that, that help you, but you're not naturally gifted as a leader. And so something that you talked about is taking that time to learn the skills of being a leader and then leading from where you are, kind of going back to something we mentioned a lot in this podcast, you know, whether you're, you know, a probationary firefighter in recruit school can be a leader, right? I mean, he Absolutely. can, he can, we have, a, we have a firefighter that we just hired in a group of seven firefighters who went to Academy he was the only one of the seven who had any experience at all. That guy grabbed all the other recruits and he said, Hey, I've been here before. I know what this is going to look like. Here are the things that's going to make us successful. He was a leader. In fact, he was voted on as a class leader at the, at the end because he took his past experience and he took himself and he led that class. So you can lead there. You can lead, you know, as an engineer, you know, like Chief Clark talked about, you know, we need someone to have all those roles when we're on emergency scenes. We need people to have all those roles in organizations. So I love the fact that you talked, you know, about leading from where you are. It, it's it's huge. That's a huge pillar to the success of any fire department. One thing that resonated with me, Chief, and uh, I'm going to ask you to to uh, to unpack it a little bit more is you mentioned leaders need to have the ability to change their opinion on the fly. Mm -hmm. That is challenging especially for a type A personality, like a firefighter, right? I'll throw it mm -hmm. out there and say myself, I mean, <laughs> my wife would agree, but you know, at the crew level, we, we do it all the time. We don't, as humans, we don't want to be wrong. Right? right. And, but yet we all are going to be wrong, arguably more often than we're right. If we're actually honest with ourselves, but you said the ability to change your opinion on the fly and more or less be okay with that. That takes a skill mm -hmm. and it takes some humility. How does a leader learn that skill? Because it's, it, 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 it's challenging. Yeah. Great question. And I'll, I'll try to answer it the best that I can. Um, but the, the one word answer for that is preparation. If, if you are going to be able to be humble enough and prepared enough to change a decision on the fly, you have to first understand what goes into making a decision and how you made the decision. And it has to be an active process. It can't be your gut. It can't be because I said so. There has to be a process that goes into it. And so we're talking about issues that are, you know, are significant enough to, to uh, warrant, you know, you looking into it. And you have to do that active process, no matter where you are in the organization. Why do you have the stance that you have? If it's just because I heard from the guy next to me, you're probably not going to change that because you're more worried about what the guy next to you thinks than what actually went into your decision-making. Decision-making is an active process. If you've gone through that active process and you can be humble and you can, if I can listen to you, Berlin, give me the, give me the counter argument to why I'm taking a stance on a subject mm -hmm. and you present something to me that is informative, that informs the decision that I made and improves the decision that I made, I should be able to right in front of you say, you know what, that's a great point. We're gonna head that direction. I think you're right. Let's move it mm -hmm. and let's move the needle. When you can do that in front of the people around you, you are demonstrating that you are truly at the point of, of being a mature leader to where you are comfortable running the organization and not running, in my case, Jeff Clark's agenda. I am moving forward for what's best for all involved, whether you're running a fire department or a grocery store. 
that's the job of a leader. And uh, that's part of the, some of those things that we need to exercise. But Mm -hmm. another thing that's important um, when you go into the decision-making is not painting yourself into the corner. So, and, and I'll give you an example, and I've made this mistake lots of times in my career, but setting false expectations or one of my least favorite phrases of all time to use in a, um, either in a negotiating session or anywhere else is, well, that's a non-starter for me. As soon as I say that to you, I have just given my ability to change my opinion on the fly. Um, I've locked myself in before we've even had a conversation. And I have had that non-starter thrown at me dozens of times in the last 10 years. And uh, all you're doing is painting yourself into a corner and worse, you're painting the organization into a place where you're not going to progress on that particular issue. Mm-hmm. So um, what, we can talk about that more later too, but yeah. um, that's that to me, it's about preparation, making sure that you're making the decision. You're not just doing something off of instinct. You got to listen to your gut, but yeah. there's still a process that goes into making a decision. Absolutely. Getting to yes. So when we were talking a little bit offline, uh, we were talking about some leadership thoughts some topics and your topic of discussion mainly today is about getting to yes. Mm-hmm. Can you unpack that for us a little bit? Sure. So um, let me first go with the why, why I want to talk about getting to yes. Yeah. Um, I, I interpret this podcast from what I can see from your audience is we could be talking to a, a two-year firefighter. We could be talking to somebody who's aspiring to be, be a lieutenant or a captain or as a brand new lieutenant or captain someone aspiring to be battalion chief, deputy chief, and maybe fire chiefs out there. Okay. And I hope that people are listening that are going to attain all of those levels in the organization. Um, one of the things, that, so I have, I have um, somewhat of a unique experience as a fire chief, but I can speak as a fire chief from coming up within an organization um, and being named the fire chief uh, 20 years after joining that organization and being a fire chief, working with the people that I was hired with and came up through the ranks with. And I can also speak from my experience of coming into Eastside as an outsider with an organization that needed some attention and, and wanted to change in some areas um, that I felt met my um, skill set. So I, I was an inside fire chief and an outside fire chief in my career. What I learned from going through there is that one of the most powerful things I can do as a leader, and especially as a fire chief, and this goes at every rank, okay, is it is my job to say yes. So I have a pre a prepositioned mindset that when you come to talk to me, I want to tell you yes. Okay. Most, more importantly, as especially as fire chief is I want to talk about this topic so that everyone up and down the ranks understands that what's more important than me even getting to yes with you as a member of the fire department is getting my board or my city council, my fire board, whoever it is that the organization reports to getting them to yes on every subject I bring forward. Yes is a habit. Okay. We can create a habit of yes. And just like I'm going to talk about how we created a habit of getting to yes with my city council and city in the city of Chandler and my board of directors at Eastside fire and rescue. If I can get my board into the habit of saying yes, that's another way of saying they trust me. They trust the organization. They trust what's gone into the process. And it gets to a point where whatever I bring, I can anticipate a yes because they trust me. But what that means is I put the requisite work, into the proposal. So let me give you an example. Let's say I'm going to take something to the board that I know is politically divisive and that I have board members that are going to say no, but I'm going to, I'm going to take it to them anyway, knowing that there's a no there. Why in the world would I do that? Why would I take a subject to the board that I know they're going to say no, or I'm going to, it's going to make them look bad politically. What I need to do in order to get to yes, is I need to do my homework to figure out how I can save as much of what I want to do as possible and still get my board members to yes. No no different than if you're a firefighter and you want to get your captain to yes on some way that you want to train or a reason. You need to put yourself in their shoes, assume their position, go through their thought process, their reasons that you can anticipate, and understand where they're coming from so that you can then position what you're trying to accomplish in a way that they can get to yes. Now, Of course, what I just described Mm -hmm. means that you got to give, right? When you do hard and fast things, I'm going to go back to my other statement. Like that's a non-starter for me. You're telling the world, I don't want to work with you. I don't want to get better. I don't, I am only, I'm only interested if it is fully what I want to get done. And the world doesn't work that way, folks. 
there, there isn't a company in the world that can get everything done the way they want to exactly how they want to. There, there's too many things that go into this and a fire service. You, we, we need approvals. Um, we need the community on our side. Uh, we need the elected officials on our side. We need our firefighters on our side and aligned in the direction that we're going. And in order to get there, we need to develop the skill of getting everyone to yes. Okay. Now, one of the, one of the things that we developed to get to yes, it's a lot easier to get to yes when you can commit to each other. Right. So we had a phrase at, and we developed this at, at Eastside um, several years ago. We had a phrase called unified commitment. They're still using it now um, today. What is unified commitment? I'm going to give, I think he's already been on your podcast, but I'm going to give Deputy Chief uh, Greg Tryon credit for this, for this uh, phrase of unified commitment. We were talking about how to get the board early on in my tenure there, how to get them to yes on lots of subjects because they were in a habit at Eastside. They said no to every proposal that came to uh, the board prior to me getting there. Okay. They said no to everything. They were asking for new SCBA masks. No. Bulletproof vests. No. You know, just go down the list. They were in the habit of saying no. We had to switch that. Well, how we switched it was we first developed a unified commitment, um, spin, taking a spin off a unified command. We asked every organization that every, let me say, not organization, stakeholder, the union, city of Issaquah, city of Sammamish, all of our fire districts. We asked for a unified commitment that, the, that our unified commitment was essentially the well-being of Eastside Fire and Rescue. Everyone said, absolutely. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. So we reset that baseline and said, we're going to get to yes. Okay, we then use that unified commitment and everything that we did and we brought forward to the board from that point on had to have something tangible about how it moved Eastside Fire and Rescue to the next level. That's a very broad thing. I'll bring it down to the company officer level. Mm -hmm. If we have a commitment within an organization that we are going to be have a safety culture, then it's that's a very broad statement, right? When you bring something forward to your company officer, how does it address safety? And is it truly the safest way forward? If it's not, how can you make it the safest way forward so you can get him to, him or her to yes? How do you get there? So you have to be, this is an active process. Um, in order to get someone else to yes, you have to do the work, mm -hmm. not them. It is up to you as the leader in the leadership uh, position to do the homework to figure out what gets them to yes. By pre-setting pre the unified commitment, I was able to take a lot of the work, the pre-work, and get everybody on board to a concept, to an idea. In your organization, it might be a mission or values that, that support the mission. You get everybody on board, and then you have to move everything in that direction. The downside of that is if there's something you want to do that really doesn't align with that mission, is it really something you should be bringing up or moving forward with? It probably is a back burner item until you can mature things. So uh, it's about moving forward together and that you as the leader or the, you that it is, are exercising that leadership potential at that time, that you are doing the work to get someone else to yes. Mm -hmm. More importantly, in our current political environment, and I say this up and down at the local level, the state level and the national level, if we don't figure out ways how to get to yes, which is middle ground, which is moderating, we're going to, we're going to quickly grind to a halt. And we all have seen fire departments who don't get anything done because they're either there's union and management fighting. There's a board of directors or a, or a fire board fighting with the fire chief, any number of things. Those organizations have let each other down and have stopped worrying about how to get the other person to yes, um, which is the one leadership activity that we have to do in order to keep a, an organization moving forward. And I'll pause there for a minute. No, absolutely. <clears throat> I mean, I love it. I wrote, I wrote all these notes and, you know, someone like yourself, chief, or even like chief Mac, um, getting to yes is, I'm just going to go ahead and say it's a little bit easier for someone that is an experienced individual or say you're talking to a, a five, seven, eight, 10 year person that's new in their role, trying to get their crew or the battalion chief with the shift to get to that. Yes. It's not as easy. And we've heard it all the time. And in fact, we're going to talk about this next week with uh, Chief Escuso who's going to be on the show. He talks about the Peter Principle. And the Peter <laughs> Principle talks about, you know, you we promote people up to their level of incompetency. But at times, you might not have an individual that has the, let's say, the uh, the arsenal, the, the skill set, right. the characteristics to be able to get their crew or their battalion chief or their shift to that yes. Is it is it is it a dead end or how, how, do, how do they, how do they, you know, what kind of, uh, how do they get that training and that to that level of of skill set, if that makes any sense. It, it does. And that, that comes into, you know, your, your chain of command and the, and the development of those levels. So am I, 
developing the deputy chiefs who are then developing the battalion chiefs who are developing the captains and lieutenants and giving them the skill set and aligning that expectation and, and those skills. If we're not introducing this to people, um, then we're failing them. And if I have someone in, and uh, um, I'll, I'll try to listen in actually next week, once you post that on the Peter principle, because that's an, that's an interesting principle. And I've certainly experienced it in, in many different ways, but there's also a failure on, on the organization's point. If someone hits that, um, that level, mm-hmm. if there are those that I have worked with extensively and you just can't get them over the hump and they certainly hit their peak and that's it. But I, I, someone doesn't Peter out until the layer above them has poured everything they can into them. And it still doesn't work out. And in my experience, 95% of the people, if you, if you work with them and if you continue to give them tools and it may not tool, the first tool may not work with them, but the next one will, mm-hmm. you can, you can get them moving forward. But so here's where I learned getting to yes. All right. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to use your analogy um, for it. When I was a captain at the city of Chandler, I had two years. We were, I was on one of our busiest companies. I was loving life. I was a young, um, you know, maybe 30, 30 year old captain paramedic running the best job in the world, um, on a busy company. And we were going to go through the accreditation process and a battalion chief that was retiring, who was doing the accreditation decided that he was leaving before he completed the process. And we had to, for whatever reason, fill it with the captain. We didn't have this position down there. Well, the union president at the time came and talked to me and he thought he ha- that I had the skill set. And I said, accreditation, that's writing and trying to align people. What, are you crazy? No. And I, w- I went back to my bunk and I'm going to start running calls all night long. And I thought about it overnight. And I came back to him and I thought, well, why are you asking me this? You know, and then going back to my last principle of being present and being engaged, the organization's asking me to be present and engaged. So so I became the accreditation manager. The next week I was in, I was downtown working eight to five being the accreditation manager. I had battalion chiefs and assistant chiefs and the fire chief looking to me for direction, looking to me for what to do on all the elements of accreditation. Um, that was over a year long process. And we, we did successfully accomplish accreditation. But what I learned quickly was as, as I've got senior officers submitting to me write-ups on items, this is terrible. <laughs> this is Hmm. Where, where do they think we're going? But they gave me clues throughout that of what it would take to get them to yes in that arena, in that subject. So let's say they run training. Well, training the way they want to go won't get us accredited. Yeah. I need to get them to the point where it's a credible action in training. And I need to understand them well enough to get them to yes on each of those items. And when I learned how to do that groundwork ahead of time, before a meeting, all of a sudden you just, they come in defensive and then they, they sense that you're listening to them. They sense that you have their best interest at heart. They sense that, hey, I'm not trying to screw them or stick it to them here. And that's as the captain. And I was a new captain, no education. Mm-hmm. No, I hadn't been to school. This is just school, school of hard knocks. But I ha- you have to be willing to engage. You have to be willing mm-hmm. to be present. Yeah. I immerse myself in the accreditation and understand where we're going. And I immerse myself in what the person across the table from me was interested in so yeah. that I could understand them to help us all get to yes. Oh, I love it. And Bill, it does. And Bill's going to, Bill's going to get into the uncomfortable piece, but I'm going to climb in right, right before that. So uh, obviously you had mentioned <laughs> when you were, a, when you were a captain and um, because as I, as I, as I listen here and I look at the different roles that you've, you know, you've held. So starting from firefighter, engineer, captain, paramedic, all the way up the rank to fire chief to a fire chief in mm-hmm. the second department, there's a ton of perspective there. Right. And we talk about this on the podcast. Perspective is huge because if you don't have perspective, you never understand the other side. You may not even be willing to hear the other side. You might not even understand the why behind things. And in your in, in going to what you're saying is how can you get to yes when you don't even understand the other side of the story? So perspective mm-hmm. is huge. So I'm going to ask you to basically just um, go further into exactly what you're saying. How important is having perspective in a leader? Um, at any level, at any role, whether it be a union role, whether it be at a fire chief's role, whether it be, you know, at the firefighter company officer mm-hmm. role, how important is perspective? And would you say it is necessary? Yeah, I would say it's up in the top five skills that you need to have. If, if you go into meetings blind, if you go into proposals blind and you're only thinking about what you want to get out of something and you don't understand the climate of what's going on around you, both politically and organizationally, you cannot possibly, you might get lucky. You might get lucky and get a yes, but you're getting lucky. 
perspective is an, is another active word in order to get perspective you must gain perspective that's that's actionable to gain perspective means it's just like gaining weight it's just like you know um, improving your your run times whatever it is that you're you're exercising gaining perspective is an active process that you must put time and effort into and that's talking to people that's reading items reading the paper whatever it takes uh, on whatever level you're trying to so I think you're you're all hitting on uh, a top five leadership skill in order to get there okay. wait, wait so let me get this straight you have to, as a leader, as an up-and-coming leader, as a person who's learning leadership skills, you actually have to have some skin in the game. You actually have to be self-motivated. <laughs> You're telling me that I can't just wait until someone drops this class on this special class or this special skill or this special book on me and it works. You're saying I got to do something. Yes. And I recognize all the sarcasm you're throwing out there. Yeah. So, and no, but, but, but I do want to, yeah. I do want to say that, <laughs> you know, Berlin and I have talked about this, that, you know, so many of our young and up and coming leaders, so many of our guys who have the five to 10 years of experience, you know, who are, who are coming to us and saying, you know, I, I don't have any training in soft skills. I don't have any training mm-hmm. in leadership that how do I get this training and all this stuff. And what I'm hearing from you, um, and, and yes, the sarcasm was dripping off my last comments, but when we talk about, you know, that getting to yes, that you talked about the fact that you researched before you even went and, and spoke to another group, that you had this open concept to your thought, that you weren't closed off, that you, you know, were, have the, the ability to be flexible in your thoughts. You know, a lot of this is, um, you know, stuff that you work on and through trial and error, you know, to mm-hmm. be honest, you know, it's not just something that someone can drop on you and you, and you learn, you have to work on it and you have to be very, very um, intentional using Berlin's term. Yes. Um, ding, with ding. All of this. Yeah. Wait, wait. You're, you're hitting it out of the park with that. And, and how I visualize what you just described is, and I've said to numerous people in my career, just because I put that badge on you doesn't mean that you have the ability to perform at the, if it badge says captain, it doesn't mean all of a sudden some switch goes off in your head. And all of a sudden people are going to look at you different. Mm-hmm. They only look at you different if you put the action in and you do the work. Mm-hmm. All right. Absolutely. Non-negotiables, Bill, am I jumping in or are you jumping in? Oh, I'll, I'll, I got it. Well, uh, Chief Clark, this has always been my, my part of this show. This is my one contribution I do every episode is I ask our guests to talk a little bit about non-negotiables because I think everyone has them. Um, And for those leaders out there who don't know what they are, you know, for those guys who are working on their leadership skills, you should know what these are, but what are your, what's, what's chief Clark's non-negotiables? Well, and I appreciate the spirit of your question, but I truly don't have non-negotiables. Okay. I think the spirit of your question, answer the spirit of your question, things like loyalty and integrity, you have to have, but Here's the reason I don't have non-negotiables. I'll give you an example of something I heard early in my career. I heard a firefighter or actually it was a company officer tell me, I will never support a female firefighter in this organization. Non-negotiable. I'll never work next to an African-American in this organization. Non-negotiable. The reason that, that I don't care for that term is I have learned that everything is negotiable if you're sitting at the table humble and working it. So let's talk about integrity. Well, integrity is certainly one of those foundational things we need in the fire service. We absolutely need it. I have had um, true story here. Training officer comes in, we're going through a hiring process. We get background information back on, on an individual. And 12 years ago, the individual had a DUI. DUIs in the past have been a non-negotiable item for the organization. We don't hire anyone who's ever had a DUI. Well, this individual had a DUI when he was 20 years old. He's since been married, has three kids. He's been working in a profession for the last eight years. Um, he's, he's turned the corner. He's learned from that. He's moved on. Um, I can't hold that non-negotiable. So, so I just get hesitant when I hear a term like non-negotiable and non-starter. If you ask me the one actionable item as a leader that I am pretty, I'm, I won't use your term, I'm going to say infle- inflexible about. Um, and anyone who d- has directly reported to me, let's say over the last 10 years knows this, you must speak up. If I ask your opinion, so let's imagine a senior staff sitting around, say there's six of us in a room and I bring up an idea or I bring up a thought about where we're going um, with the organization. And I ask for 
opinions. Everyone must give me their opinion. You're at a position in the organization, uh, at a leadership position, that you must speak. You cannot be quiet and hold it or always be the one who speaks last because you want to see where everyone else is at before you give your opinion. Be confident in who you are. Be humble enough to understand that whatever you say, you can change a couple of minutes later after you gain more perspective, right, and work through there. So if you were going to ask me, um, the spirit is integrity, loyalty, and you must speak up. I love the part on the you must speak up because we all have something to say. Some of us are just more afraid than others to say it. And I always say we need not have questions only from the confident people in the room. I mean, we need yes. questions from everybody. And so uh, you must speak up. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to find a way to, so, uh, to, to put that into uh, as a, as a mandatory item in a class or a discussion. Cause I want to hear everyone's opinion. So, so let me add to that Berlin too, because I also know another one of your passions and it happens to be mine as well. And that's DEI. And I know you've had podcasts with that subject matter on there, but um, this kind of blends the getting to yes and speaking up together. How do we create an environment that allows 12 firefighters to be sitting in a room of all races and genders and, and sitting in there and making it comfortable? So in other words, that's another that's synonymous for me with getting to yes, making it comfortable enough to where all 12 of those individuals will speak up. And it's and and that is the work of leadership. That is leadership work that must create a safe container, a safe room for everybody, regardless of background and seniority, to speak up and be comfortable that they can do that. I can, I can tell you there have been dozens, if not scores of times, where I've done station visits, and the next day I get a phone call, and I think Bill alluded to this a little bit, but I'm going to put a twist on it. I'll get a phone call from my firefighter that was at that station visit, and I'll ask him, why didn't you bring this point up while I was there? well, I wasn't comfortable bringing it up in front of my peers or I wasn't comfortable speaking up in front of my captain. That's, that's a warning sign, number one, but it could be a warning sign that there's a bad atmosphere in the station. It could also be an opportunity to develop a skill and some confidence in the individual who's calling me. You just have, but you have to do that work to figure out which one it is, right? So that you can make it safe. Wow. I love that. <laughs> so well, to, to I, go- think that I, I think if we do a little bit of that on our own, you know, we build this culture. We say we're a paramilitary organization, right? And we say, mm-hmm. you know, that sh- shut up, you know, that you have you have two ears and one mouth kind of a deal. And we and we and, we, and Berlin's doing it right now when he's in recruit academy telling people mm-hmm. that. But and then we continue that through their probation. And then unfortunately, a lot of our organizations continue that even in mm-hmm. when they get to fire stations, you know, hi, I'm, you know, I'm captain Mac. You're going to sit, you're going to do everything I tell you to do. And this is what we're going to do today. And so we've created that culture in our own organization. So, you know, working it from top down, we got to start breaking that a little bit that people do. Now I'm not saying that there are not times where, you know, if there's non-discretionary time and safety issues and on the fire scene that we have to have someone in charge. We, yes, we definitely have to have someone in charge, but you know, chief Clark, you hit the, the nail on the head there when you talked about creating that environment where 12 people can sit and be comfortable to speak up because that's super important to be able to do. And that is at the core of the DEI work that, you know, we're working mm-hmm. on now. So. And if you can, if you can achieve that, then you're going to address what you just brought up, which is our failing as a fire service by um, we create this culture in the first year, year and a half where we petri- we just instill fear in these folks to not speak up. And then all of a sudden we want to be buddy, buddy with them after they're off probation or, or right. make first class firefighter, whatever your benchmark is for your organization. And, you know, we have to do intentional work to get away from that. Um, we we value people from the time they step in, right? That's the only way to do it. Look at that. On the podcast, there's two intentionals, and I, I didn't say one of them yet. So, see, <laughs> Bill, it's not just me. Um, but I, I want to throw this out there. So, because it's – I'm not going to say it's easy. It's, not, it's never easy. But a fire chief, a deputy chief, a battalion chief, a senior member of an organization – I'm just going to go ahead and say it is, is going to be in a more comfortable or better or easier position to speak up about creating an environment that's safe for 12 people that look different, talk different, different experience levels, a brand new company officer, five years on seven years, brand new, you know, just got promoted, you know, doesn't want to, uh, you know, shake the tree at all yet. Is that, is that a saying shake the tree? I don't know. Sound like a good saying, but doesn't want to uh, ruffle any feathers yet. It, it, it might be harder for that individual 
to want to speak up to say, you know, this is that environment of a safe place because they're still trying to learn the role. Obviously, leadership is not supposed to be easy, right? I know some people wish mm-hmm. it was and want and 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 actually believe leadership is easy, but leadership is supposed to be challenging because you're supposed to be the one that's making those those hard decisions. So I guess talking to a newer, you know, leader, formal or informal, right? Five years, 10 years, who knows what, what's something that they could do to, you know, fight that barrier of well, I'm brand new. I, I I can't be the one because I, I want to just you know learn my place. Yeah. So I think it goes back to what the two of you were hitting on before about perspective. Um, in order to gain the perspective to become comfortable in that atmosphere, here's the mistake I see most new company officers make. They're more concerned about impressing on their those working for them that they're advocating for them mm-hmm. than they are for advocating for the department position on something. So they're, they're out of balance to begin with because of, you know, union influence and just these are the folks you've always worked with. So they need to figure out a way to gain perspective. And here's the perspective work you do. You talk to your battalion chief and understand where he or she's coming from on, on whatever the issue is. But you also talk with your firefighters ahead of time about where it is and make sure you fully understand their, their positions on, on items that are going on or, or hot topics that are going on for the organization so that you have the perspective above and below, and then you exercise that potential that we've talked about by using your mind to put forward the best statement that you can that is aligning you know, what you're hearing from, the perspective you're getting from below you, and the perspective you're getting from above you. Mm-hmm. But if you're just waiting till the meeting, you haven't met with your battalion chief, you really don't know what, what he or she's going to be pre- presenting, you haven't really talk to your firefighters to understand, you know, where they sit on issues and what it is they're trying to advocate for, um, then you haven't really done the work, right. Mm -hmm. To be able to make it comfortable for you. But I think if you do that work, um, the folks that I see do that work, they are very comfortable speaking regardless of their seniority. Um, but they have to be comfortable. Now you also have to work in an organization where from the top down, it's okay. I'm fully aware. There are some organizations that if you speak up as a new company officer to a battalion chief, they might put you in your place. Um, But sure. that's, yeah. that's part of what you signed up for if that's the type of organization you're in. That's a good point. I mean, uh, uncomfortable. Bill? Here's a question for you, Chief Clark. Would you be where you are today? And let's put you back into being in it's still on the job a little bit. But would sure. you have ever gotten there if you had never been if you had never been uncomfortable? And talk to mm-hmm. us a little bit about what that means to be uncomfortable for you. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, no way. I have uncomfortable is a um, is just a state of living that you have to be learn to be comfortable with. The number of shirts I've sweat through um, in meetings, pre meetings, um, the number of sleepless nights, um, the number of you know promotions I thought I'd get that I didn't get, or I did get and then said, "Holy crap, I'm you know I'm a BC now," or whatever the case is uncomfortable is where you're going to live. Um, meeting with mayors, uh, meeting with union presidents when, when something's going wrong, um, firing somebody, dismissing somebody, talking with somebody's loved one when they're sitting in the hospital, you're going to live in a place of uncomfortable. I joined the career. I joined the job at, at the age of 23 with, uh, no college degree, no training at all. Um, didn't want it. I was a construction mind at heart. Um, I just wanted to sweat and work hard. But I quickly learned that if I was going to be any good at my job, the real job, which is everything involved, that I had to go to school and school is not comfortable for me. Um, I had to speak up. I uh, told a story off, off air here about public speaking. My first public speaking in elementary school as a, as a booter um, at the Child and Fire Department was a disgrace. It was terrible. I couldn't, I couldn't even get the words out. My company officer said, you need to go get some training. And I had to go to CPR instructor school go to CPR instructor school. And I couldn't even get through that. I sweat through shirt, I stammered, stuttered. And I learned quickly. I got to learn how to talk in front of people and be comfortable with it. Um, uncomfortable is just a, is something you have to be comfortable being. And I was uncomfortable all the way through leaving the job and retiring um, at certain times there. You, you just do not know where you're going to end up. And uh, you have to be comfortable with it. And I, I don't think that's just our industry folks. Mm-hmm. That's, Yep. That's leadership. And, uh, and you're, you're going to be uncomfortable. And, you know, and I've seen company officers on a more practical level. I've seen, we, we've had some incidents where company officers make baffling decisions on scene. 
And when you really get down to it, of course, we always talk about communications is the number one reason why firefighters get hurt and are killed in the line of duty. But I think another piece is uncomfortable. And let me, let me explain why, you know, we, we had this, uh, we had a meter pulled in, in the last several years. I don't know when the last, when did fire departments stop pulling meters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we had a crew pull a meter on a fire call. Well, why in the world will we be pulling a meter? This is, uh, I don't know, 2019, 2020 or something. Who, do you guys even train that? What, who even knows how to pull a meter? Why are we pulling meters, right? Well, in the end, what it was all about, in my opinion, was a company officer that was uncomfortable being able to say no to who were just, someone who was just their peers a few months prior to that, right? Uncomfortable is going to be there. And if we can't figure out how to be comfortable with it, you're not going to be very effective. And you could get somebody hurt, you know, yeah. so yeah. especially in our more actionable roles. We hear it a lot, you know, um, in fact, we just had a, a recent podcast where we talked a little bit about this. I always equate when a person says, oh, I love what I'm doing right now. I mean, I mm-hmm. love being a third on an engine company. I love being a lieutenant at a busy house. You know, at one point, I kind of challenged those people to say, well, that's fun is because you're comfortable, right? Because yeah. you know the job, you know the position, you know where you're at. I'm going to challenge you to now do something different. Now, whatever that is, I'm not saying you necessarily need to be promoted, but find something that makes you uncomfortable because what really defines a person to me are those moments of being uncomfortable. And you're exactly right. It's not always in the career. You know, I've mentioned this several times. It's being a new dad. You know, my oh, middle son, yeah. my middle son's expecting and he is his world's going to get turned upside down because I know him um, <laughs> and he's going to be super uncomfortable. He's uncomfortable right now with just even me talking yeah. about him being a dad, but he's going to learn it. And he's going to be a much better person after he's a father than he was before, because he's got to go through a period of being uncomfortable, learning what that means. And he'll be stronger as a leader. And I think going back to your sports analogy um, analogies earlier is uncomfortable is where the, where the growth happens. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't get stronger unless you go through being uncomfortable. If you're comfortable, you're not getting better. Mm -hmm. Um, So the only way you're going to, you're going to grow is to be uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Episode one, I think, Bill, we, this is, uh, wow, episode one, six months ago, I believe that, is the comfort zone, is, the, is that whole, is the picture of the comfort zone, right? If you actually take that metaphorically speaking, you're in your comfort zone or circle, you technically cannot grow because you're inside <laughs> the circle. Growth happens outside the circle, outside representing the outside your comfort zone. So anyways, for all the listeners out there is, uh, you know, you have to, you have to, 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 to change, you have to be uncomfortable to grow. So let's take this to the hot coffee time because I love this and I love the piece that you're going to talk about here, Chief. So hot coffee, we want to try to unpack something that's a little bit of uh, controversial, a little bit, something that we've talked about in the past was, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic. We've talked about DEI, we've talked about recruitment. We talked about what not to do as emerging leaders. But your topic of choice today, Chief, was commitment to change. As Mm -hmm. we know, the fire service, the only thing consistent in the fire service is change. And as you know, firefighters hate change. And we also hate the way things are. So I love uh, this topic that you're about going to unpack for us. So talk to us about um, this hot topic of commitment to change. Yeah, and you hit a big part of it was, um, you know, we we have a lot of folks within our department and, and a lot of our culture is about keeping everything the same. And it's just not a practical future for the fire service. We, we won't exist in the, in the realm that we are today. Uh, we need to embrace change. Uh, we need to commit to change. And what I've always, my philosophy on change has always been that I know it's coming. I'd rather be one of the authors of it than have it, you know, placed upon me. And that's actually motivated me, you know, to do some of the promoting and, and some of the things I saw because the organizations I've been part of have always changed. And what I see is organizations that really want change for a few years. And then we start to get the change that we vision or envision. And then as we, once we achieve the change, we have elements within the organizations that want to pump the brakes and stop and change is momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you stop momentum, you, st- you know, change is an active process as well. Like anything else it's learned, um, being comfortable with change and being adaptable. We have to give ourselves credit when we can, when we can change on the fly, we, we need to figure out how to gain that momentum as an organization and as a service and maintain the momentum. Um, and stop pumping the brakes on it. Uh, 
you know, I've had uh, chief officers in both organizations I've worked for ask me the same question about three years into my time as chief in both organizations. Can we just take a break from all the change? Take a year off. Let's just take a year off. Well, good luck to you. Um, the world's not stopping. You can, you can take a break if you'd like. Um, you can try, but you're going to lose the momentum and you're going to start all over again. Mm-hmm. And, oh, well, we did it once. We can do it again. Well, change is heavy lifting and change is hard on everybody. I've seen it in pain in, in the faces of company officers when you're implementing change. And it really does hurt. I believe it hurts our firefighters um, to the core when we change some of those important things. It is much easier on our firefighters once we have momentum and mm-hmm. we've created that atmosphere of change for them to embrace change. To keep going through and pulling the Band-Aid off over and over again doesn't make sense to me as, as an organizational leader. I think it's finding a sweet spot with momentum yeah. and keeping the momentum at a certain pace, a manageable pace, which if I have anything, I go too fast. So I have to have people pulling me back. Um, but there's finding that balance and keeping the change momentum going yeah. um, is, is what we really need to be working on as a service. I, uh, I heard somebody the other day, um, it was about change and it was about we, I forget the exact topic, but it was, well, what are we trying to fix? And his analogy mm-hmm. was, well, uh, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Well, I, I think that back um, to, I, I always go back to sports analogies, which those listeners that aren't in sports, you know, good luck listening to the rest of this or any other podcast, because we always talk about <laughs> sports. Um, but it's like, you look at championship teams, right? Even championship teams look to be better the next year. They're not just settling in on, we won the championship, let's not change the roster, let's keep everything the same. No, they're pushing further and further, they're adding to their roster, they're changing their you know, strategic, you know, their, their playbook and this and that because they're always looking. So I think of that basically in what you're saying mm-hmm. is, is take that momentum, why stop? Like just be, something doesn't need to be broken to change because continuous effort is continuous growth. So anyways, I love that piece and mm-hmm. uh, momentum is awesome. And then to touch on Berlin sports analogy, that once a, once an organization changes and is successful, if they don't continue to change, they're not going to be successful the next season. I mean, we see it all right. the time, right? We see the Seahawks win the Super Bowl. What happens the next year? Well, you know, I mean, they they don't, they're not as successful they the, the next ball. year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they pass oh, the ball. I love too it, soon, but now it's oh, not. That, yeah, that's that hurt. That does hurt. Um, but the, but the point being is that change also brings competition and, and competing is something that um, is infectious, you know, throughout an organization. So even if it, even if we're talking about change element in one division, you know, all of a sudden the other divisions are like, hey, I want to try that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and the same thing in fire stations. You know, we see it where a company officer starts something new. You know, hey, we're going to do drill on Tuesday. We're going to go do all this stuff. And the other stations are like, hey, what are they doing over there? You know, what are they doing yep. at twos? Um, and so it, it brings embracing that change also brings organizations stronger, which brings regions stronger. I mean, change element is what formulated the King County Training Consortium. Absolutely. Um, you know, if it did, it, it took a couple of people to say, hey, we're going to commit to changing the way we train. And now look where we are, you know, years later. Yep. Hitting, hitting it out of the park there. And, and it is absolutely learned behavior. And it's, and it is, once you get to a pinnacle of whatever you call it in, in your example, a championship, it is a lot of work to stay there. How, how hard is it to repeat? And, exactly. you know, it's a, a friend of mine, Dennis Compton, who was fire chief out of Phoenix. Well, he went to Mesa was a fire chief, but he was uh, Alan Brunacini's right-hand man. Dennis Compton uh, talks about waves. And you, you think about the ocean and the peak of waves. Um, the change is really about you, you reach it when you get to the top of that wave right before it white caps. But then you know you're going to go down. And then you've got to fight to get the next wave and get back up to the top. And when I talk about momentum, it's really about, you know, staying ahead of that next wave and getting to the top of that next wave. Um, and it's work. And, it's, and I know it's hard on people. It's a lot easier, a lot more comfortable. Yeah. to sit back in the station and not have to do anything but run calls. But that's not a reality, and it's not what the community expects. Yeah, continuous growth. So this next part, Chief, is the is my favorite part because you've given tips to all of our listeners. Offer some kind of action item, something mm-hmm. for these groups to start doing. Literally, they hear this message, they start doing it today. So talk to three groups. The first one being a newer employee. It could be a recruit firefighter, probationary. It could be just someone early in their career. What's mm-hmm. something one of those members can do today to start growing as leaders? 
Mm-hmm. Well, so I broke it down for all three levels that you asked for. And, and I'm going to start with the, the new ones. Don't be silent. I know we're training you to do that, but don't be silent. Um, whether it's about your safety, whether it's about the ideas you have with the crew, uh, that's what every individual of our organization can, can be actioned on is speak up. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to jump ahead on you here. Yeah. If you go to the comp, the company officer, the newer company officer, or the aspiring company officer, besides not being silent. All right. Be present and engaged. All right. What does be present mean? It means that when you're in a training, demonstrate to the people below you and above you that you are inquisitive, that you have actions, that you're sitting up, you're engaged in the, in the presentation. And when someone asks, is there any feedback, any questions, give some, when you give some, your firefighters learn that it's right. And it's expected for them to give some, that's how you lead as a company officer. You need to engage and be present. All right. And then for the, for the established leader, two things, one thing I don't think I've said too much about listen and then get to yes. All right. You, that's where the get to yes work start, really starts happening. Are our established leaders working on getting to yes? And you cannot get there if you're not listening to gain the perspective. Okay. And I've got one last tip that phrase that I haven't said yet. And that's for all levels, go to the balcony. Okay. Just remember that phrase, go to the balcony. This is how you gain perspective. So let's say you're sitting in a meeting someday, tomorrow, you're sitting in a meeting. You're not sure quite what's going on. All right. I want you, of course, stay in your seat, but I want you to picture yourself, picture yourself above the meeting in a balcony. And rather than worried about what it is you're trying to get out of the meeting, listen, look at the body language of everybody, look at what they're saying, listen to what they're saying, process what they're saying, and try to see where they're actually getting to. The balcony is a, is a mental timeout for you to step away from whatever's going on at the, at the meeting or the training to understand the perspective that everyone else is bringing to the table. Once you understand their points of view, their perspective, see their body language, read it. You don't miss that. It's a, it's a way for you to demonstrate the emotional intelligence um, that all of us have if we exercise it. And then come back to the meeting, leave the balcony, sit back down, and then give your opinion. And hopefully it's a more informed opinion on that. And certainly the established leaders, that's a skill that I would hope that they can work on and develop. Hmm. Go to the balcony. Love it. I'm going to... Uh instantly uh, put that to play. I've never heard that. And uh, that's what this is about. I'll ask chief books, classes, mentors, anything you recommend to the listeners, there's gotta be some kind of, there's gotta be, uh, we asked Bill this in his podcast. We've asked this a couple of times. Are there certain books you recommend to someone, a class that really hit home for you, something that you really helped develop you, something you resonated with? Um, I'll leave a concept with you um, on, on whatever subjects you like. And I, I, I love leadership. Um, I love management, administration, um, local government stuff, right? The concept is this. Don't just go to fire service training. Go to city manager training. Go to um, bookkeeping if you're, if you're interested in doing finance for us someday. You know, go to an HR conference that's HR professionals and not fire service. Under, learn what the rest of the world is impacted by. Um, if, you go, if you're interested in doing um, HR, and you go to a fire service conference to get your HR experience, you're just getting the fire service take on HR. Why not go to the professionals? Go see it. City Managers has a conference every year. They have lots of them. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan of city managers. That's something I can say vocally. I say it to them. Um, but I am a fan of learning what they're working on and what's important to them. So I know what's going to roll to the fire service. And if I want to be a better fire service leader, I needed to understand the perspectives. Go to an occasional police conference. You know, who, you know who we compete with the most in the budget process, the most political thing we do? It's the police departments. Understand what, what they're going through. Learn about them. So the concept is, once again, get outside your comfort zone and go to trainings of the other professions that impact the fire service. And then you will find quickly that you are going to have um, more material to bring back to the fire service to make us better and stronger because – um, sometimes we get into this, um, this self-serving culture where we're just trying to serve each other and yeah. we're only listening to fire service folks, right? There's a lot of smart people in the world out there in these other services. Yep. Spend your leadership time there and it's going to make you a better fire service leader. I love it. Thank you, chief. So the leadership challenge, I'm sure you've heard of it. Did we end each episode with the leadership challenge because the goal is to spread this conversation as far as we can. 
we're go, uh, we've gone down south to Oregon and California. Uh, we go to the east next week. It's this podcast is only as good as the people we reach and the guest speakers that come in. Is there an individual out there that you would like to either challenge or call out some leader um, that you believe would be a good candidate and would be willing to come talk on the kitchen table? Absolutely. And I'm going to stick with the theme I just talked to you about in your last question. And that is um, somebody that's not in the fire service. Um, I'm going to pick a politician and I'll suggest uh, Mayor Polly from Issaquah. Um, but really, there's many mayors that I could ask. Mayor Millman from Woodenville. Um, he's actually got fire service experience, though. Um, but um, get a politician in here to talk about leadership from their perspective uh, and or a city manager. And I can give you a couple of names on the city managers as well. Uh, but um, Mayor Polly, I know would be willing to do it. She's worked with the fire service in the past. And I think she would bring you um, leadership perspective that would help round out the leadership messages that you're hearing around the kitchen table. Oh, thank you so much. So before we officially close, I always like to say this piece, any lasting leadership thoughts, any topics or things that you have not that you want to leave our listeners with that I have yet to ask you or something you forgot to, uh, that you'd like to mention. I appreciate that opportunity. Um, I really do think I've hit the bullets that I wanted to on this, but I, I will say this, um, going back to what we talked about early on, uh, take care of yourselves, um, take care of each other, uh, from a mental standpoint and a physical standpoint and, uh, set their plans. Now, I don't care where you are in the fire service, set your plans now, um, for a early retirement and, to do everything you can to have a long, healthy retirement. This job isn't worth it if we don't achieve that for ourselves. Yeah. Um, that's what we're here for. In order to serve the community, it's best if we can stay healthy, both mentally and physically, and taking care of each other is how we're going to get there. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bill, lasting thoughts before we close. I just want to say thanks uh, for coming on. I think that it's something that we don't do enough in the fire service is take our experienced leaders and have them have an honest and have the ability to have an honest conversation with, you know, people um, without having those parameters of being a fire chief or being a boss or being, you know, whoever, you know, whoever else it is. So again, thank you for taking the time to doing this. This is super important that, you know, we can all try to be Jocko, but that's probably unattainable, you know, but what we can be is chief Clark. So thank you for being that. Welcome. Thanks for the invite. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today to The Kitchen Table. We truly hope that you found this time valuable, and we hope that we've inspired you to take action, to lead, and to spread uh, the leadership conversation. Until next time, be safe, be intentional, and stay curious.